Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Rectify Roundtable. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, coming to you from a very different location than I have been in the past. And uh, due to that, we were starting a little bit later than we had planned. But thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. I'm thrilled to be back once again and bringing you what I think is some pretty interesting content. Uh, every time we go live with the show, we're going to attempt to bring you interviews and conversations from a cast of interesting characters. And I think we've managed to do that this time around. However, before we introduce the stars of today's show, I do want to remind our viewers encourage participation. So feel free to send in questions you may have for our guests. We have a team of top men monitoring our Twitch feed. So feel free to drop any inquiries you have in there and I will do my best to get them throughout the show. Uh, we're, all just, we're also going to try and do a couple of giveaways today. That's right, free stuff is on the line, folks. So make sure you invite your friends and uh, stay tuned in so we can do those giveaways for you. With all that said, let's get to our guests. This dynamic duo makes up a significant portion of the Rectify Gaming Board of Directors. Thankfully, they've managed to clear their busy schedules to join me today. Welcome, Tyboy and Silic. How are you guys doing today? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing pretty good, Scott. Good. Yeah, no, yeah. I am excited. We've been trying to get this going for a little while, so I'm glad we were finally able to get it uh, up and running today. Uh, due to what we're talking about, it's a good thing because we've almost hit the end of 2020, and we're sort of doing a bit of a review of uh, what's been going on this past year. So are you guys excited for that? I know I'm pretty stoked. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Everyone in the world can agree fair. with that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, despite the fact that this year has been one in that uh, many people would like to forget, uh, there were some pretty notable things that transpired this year in the world of gaming. Uh, we had a couple of new consoles come out. Uh, we had announcements of new really impressive new graphics cards. Uh, we had lots of news and like industry shakeups and things like that. And uh, given that the calendar does flip to 2021 in just a couple of days, or for those of you listening through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we're already in 2021. So happy new year to you. Uh, we figured it'd be best to take a look back at the year that was in 2020 and recap some of the most personally impactful moments. Maybe not necessarily the things that were the biggest industry standouts, uh, but for us, what really uh, impacted us, uh, you know, they may fall in line with those uh, big industry moments, but wanted to get your guys' input on the big things that happened in 2020. So Ty Boy, you're the head guy. You're the leader of this group. Yeah. Let's start with let's start with you. Tell me one thing. Doesn't have to be in any particular order, date, or most important in your mind, but just tell me what is one of the things that you found most impactful in 2020? Ah, uh, well, 2020 is a year to remember, that's for sure. Uh, impactful, I would say, as far as the game releases, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I mean, when you talk about a game that launches at the perfect time, you can't go better than Animal Crossing. Like, that game is so iconic now with uh, due to COVID and everything that's going on at the same time. Like, yeah, it's like, um, and I brought, like, a lot of positivity, I think, to people when they were playing it and, like, a lot of, you know, got their mind off of... Uh, of like real world thing, like real world situations that we've been going through this year. So I think Animal Crossing New Horizons, I would say, is an impactful moment for this year. Um, 
you know what I mean? Like, it had, and I don't think it won an award at the Game Awards, but it should have in some way because, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it impacted a lot of different people, a lot of create people in like who are creative or people who are depressed or something like that. I don't know. It's like Animal Crossing is always one of those games that always you know brings people together. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, Animal Crossing. I never, I didn't touch Animal Crossing at all. I don't really have any history with Animal Crossing. I did find it like really fascinating how a lot of people uh, sort of glommed on to Animal Crossing because of uh, the pandemic and having to stay at home. Um, and especially for Nintendo, since there wasn't a whole lot going on for them at the beginning of the year, or honestly, most yeah. of the year, to be quite honest. Uh, it was really interesting to see how that became what, like, I don't know if it's the best selling game of all time on a console. I know it's outsold any PlayStation game. Um, that has any any first party PlayStation game that has ever released on a console, which is kind of mind boggling to me. But um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, Nintendo, I feel like they don't have to do a lot to really be uh, making their impact. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to see everything that went on with Animal Crossing. Uh, so good one, Ty. Silic, I'm seeing in chat that people still aren't hearing you. Uh, so it, Zaruga, who uh, works our back end, if you want to help him out with that. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll get back to you in just a second, Silla. I'll bring up one of the, thing, one of the things for me. And uh, Ty, you can respond to this. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I think one of the biggest things for me, um, I, I, I'm like enmeshed within the PlayStation ecosystem. So that's usually where I play. Yeah. I don't have time. I don't have a whole lot of time to go, you know, to Nintendo and Microsoft and PC too often. Uh, But with PlayStation, I think one of the biggest news events of this year uh, were the Last of Us 2 leaks. Um, Everything that came out about that story before the game was released, um, you know, with a game like that, it's really story driven. I mean, that's a lot of the reason why people uh, are interested in that game and you know want to be a part of it is because of that story and the fact that a lot of the big story beats leaked before the game came out uh was just i like i said really impactful um Mm -hmm. i managed to stay away from the majority of the leaks i when i heard that they were happening i just sort of went dark on twitter um, until I was able to play it. I did not want any of that story leaked for me, but I do know that mm-hmm. it really sort of ruined the experience for a lot of different people and that some of the leaks that came out were just plain false as well. So some people chose yeah. not to play the game because of false leaks that came out. Um, and then, you know, also I, it, just because of the other leaks that came out in general. Uh, Ty, I'm not sure if you played Last of Us 2 at all, but what was your reaction when you saw all of no, that? I- uh, I didn't look at any of the leaks because I have, I have not really into the Last of Us you know series too much, but I know for a fact that those leaks have impacted people from not buying the game, you know, because of what they were disappointed in seeing what the story really led on to. I guess really not staying true to maybe what the first one was or like what they predicted was like completely opposite in the second one. But um, other than that, I. Uh, I don't, I don't know what else, much to say when it comes to the Last of Us Part Two leaks. I mean, it hurt the. I think it. It's hard to say if it hurt the game. It didn't hurt the reviews, obviously. Um, yeah, so it didn't hurt the reviews, and it didn't I, I don't the, think. I don't think uh, it hurt awards the game. that went along with it. Ty, let's go to your next one. I know you're really uh, excited about the one I think you're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so what, um, what do you have next for me? 
Well, I, I, I think uh, a big impact, especially uh, moving on me, was that Halo Infinite uh, was delayed until 2021. Obviously, the um, the showcase that they had showing off Halo Infinite for the first time, like gameplay wise, didn't have too much of a um, didn't uh, stand out to a lot of people as far as the graphics would go and and everything, etc., like that. Um, but now looking at it as time went on. Um, you know, after they, they announced that they're delaying it to 2021, now we know it's fall 2021. After looking at uh, Cyberpunk 2077, it's probably a good thing. Um, I would hope that Halo Infinite launches only on next-gen consoles and on PC and not the Xbox One, only because I feel like the Xbox One is going to hold it back like we've seen with Cyberpunk 2077 with uh, Xbox One and PS4. Um, but... It gives more time to work on the game and you know with covid going on right now it's impacting it a lot um but yeah definitely i would say everything is a positive with halo infinite being delayed yeah yeah no i agree um and don't worry we know still like left he'll be right back i promise guys um i agree that it's one of those things that um you know in the early term like there wasn't uh anything to launch with um to launch with the xbox series x really i mean you know there were some games that were but in terms of first party games uh, they didn't have a whole lot going on and you know i don't think that that hurt them as much as some people may have thought it would um especially with it being so difficult to get your hands on a series x in the first place or a series s that's and so the fact that yeah. yeah and so the fact that halo infinite was delayed Absolutely. I think to your point, kind of like what we've seen with Cyberpunk, uh, hopefully um, it'll be something that's really positive for the future. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not big into Halo, not big, like, I, like I've said before, not big into the Xbox community, but I do know how important it is for Microsoft and for the Xbox platform. And I, I want mean, that game yeah. to be the one that like really, you know, makes a big impact on that system. So... The fact that it was delayed, yeah, huge news, but ultimately I think it will be for the best. Yeah, you made a good point there with the uh, units. Like, I don't even have an Xbox Series X yet for myself, so to get your hands on a new console is like nearly impossible, it feels like, for PS5, Series X, Series S. Um, so that's another good thing to look at when you're talking about Halo Infinite. Even though you can play it on PC too, you will be able to play it when it launches. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the other thing i didn't even think of right away yeah uh so like we see you're back let's get your in, let's get your input on halo infinite being delayed i, I, I would love to us. but I, I don't think anyone else is gonna hear me so no i got an echo well i can i can hear you so i would like to hear it personally oh we're getting that we now? that you can be heard uh, we can hear you man we okay. got it give us your halo infinite we got it. 2020 hasn't killed us yet <laughs> all right, so am I still good? Everything's everything to do. It wasn't like ten seconds of fame. That's all I get. No, everyone can still hear you. All right, good. <laughs> so Halo Infinite. I mean, this is a game. What you talking about? Ten years or so that they've been talking about trying to bring back the old school genre, and we knew that they were going to go through kind of like three, four, and five. Um, I, I'm a massive Xbox guy. You can see the room behind me and stuff like that i've, I've been following <laughs> this for years and stuff like that so when you when they did the os odst thing like that and everyone was like we want to find out the rest of the story we want to find out where all this all goes and they took it in a completely different direction it was a fantastic story 
but we wanted to kind of go back home. Mm -hmm. We wanted to kind of like really dig into to everything that is the Halo universe that we we started with, like because it was so un it wasn't fully completed. Like we went so many different other places and did so many different cool things. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to kind of you know have him come back and um just really really hammer it to whoever's hammering earth you know or wherever we're at now like they're basically a home base like type thing so um yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm excited for it i mean you can talk like this the whole beta thing kind of goes back to the previous conversation we were having with like you know these initial releases of these games it, it goes into a different segue with there was no gdc this year in 2020 there was no you know um big community events and it it, it, it kills mm -hmm. the beta test energy and and the hands-on stuff that like thousands of eyes would get to see this game and and set up in the conventions and just the setup of the, all this hardware helps these developers understand we can't do this on a grand scale if we can't do this and we're the developers then how do we expect everyone else across the entire globe to be able to play these games like this on on unrestricted wi-fi or restricted wi-fi or this or that um so yeah i it's uh I think Halo, when it comes out, they they saw the reactions. Microsoft has done a really good job about listening to these type of things in the past and trying to fix mm -hmm. them. Um, and the fact that they, they were delaying their flagship game means they're serious about it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely agree with that. Um, and, you know, like I said, ultimately, I think it'll be for the better. Uh, remains to be seen. We'll see. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see in 2021. Yeah but uh, it does remain to be seen. Uh, so Silic, we'll go to you. Uh, you brought up GDC and E3, uh, definitely big impacts with those things not taking place. Is there anything else that you wanted to add with that? I know that was something that you uh, had really focused on when taking a look yeah, back at like, things. If, you know, I mean, Ty knows me. I mean, I've been probably going to conventions for the past mm -hmm. 15 years or so. Um, my previous role before I was in gaming was I built MDMs, Master Data Marts. So I was always at CES in January, then GDC in like March or April. And then I would try <clears> to hit the E3s later on in the year. And then that was like my, that's my vacation. It was always whatever tech <laughs> tech convention was there. Um, and these developers needed people to sit in closed rooms and give them a hundred percent honest opinions of what they were showing, whether it be the hardware, the demos they were running, just the, like I said, just the fact of setting a lot of the stuff up I would see guys at like the ASUS booth be like, dude, he's like, we need a better cable for this because after we go eight feet with this cable, this monitor doesn't get, you know, 144 hertz anymore. So they were having power fluctuations and certain things. It, it sounds simple, but like when you set up these big massive convention things um, and you get hardware in the hands of a lot of like, you're like Linus still got his things, you know, like for tech tips like that, but like, hundreds and thousands of other ones didn't so if you don't have like the systems to put like these 3080s in or these 3090s in um th there's no way to bench test them and stuff like that with the games it can kind of go that way too so it's it's uh it, it's shockingly tragic how digital this company or this this gaming industry is but how much we still need these tight-knit communities of all of like the the news the media the beta testers the alpha testers and everything to kind of give that feedback so that this stuff can actually be fleshed out um that, yeah that's and, I, like, what, and that, that's, that's yeah i was gonna say nutshell. 
Yeah. And one thing I'd say about that is a lot of people, they react to, you know, the news of no E3 and no GDC. We're like, oh, we're not going to get our game trailers. We're not going to get, you know, our big sort of E3 moments that you usually talk about. And, you know, the things that you're talking about are like in a completely different stratosphere than all of that. Correct. And, um, you know, people don't usually think about those kind of things when they're thinking about these big events. But... We were still well, able to they, get those they, they, they big of, E3 moments they think this of the summer. Commercial. Yeah, I was saying they, they just think of the commercial, the 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 five yep. percent that you see. Um, but the convention goes is is running. All these conventions are running fifteen hours, twenty hours a day. There's business meetings happening after the fact, before the fact, and all around it. There's so much networking that happens that gets people in the right places that can either save a game or kill a game type thing that happens during these weeks. Yeah. I just don't happen anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm excited for the day we get to go back to events like that. I don't know if they're going to ever be the same as they were before. Um, you know, I'm signed up to go uh, to participate, I guess, in uh, digital CES this year. But, you know, I've been to E3 events in the past and other events like that. And, um, you know, it's going inter- to be interesting to see how things shake out in the future, even in a uh, post-COVID world where we're able to gather in groups like that again. Uh, not sure yeah. it's ever going to be quite the same. Um, so it'll be interesting <laughs> I, to see that I, impact I, I, I agree. that has in the long run. Speaking of those big, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of those big E3 type moments, though, um, one of the ones that really impacted me that took place during the PS5 system reveal event. Uh, was the announcement of Final Fantasy 16. Um, it was something that had long been rumored. Um, I'm a very big Final Fantasy fan. I've been playing it for 25 years. Uh, um, that actually. And, um, you know, <laughs> I had a really good time with Final Fantasy 15. Um, I know there were, you know, mixed reactions for that. I, I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought that game got better as, you know, they released more content for it and did some different patches. Um, but ultimately, I thought it was a, a solid game. Um, I played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV uh, this past summer, and the same people who made Final Fantasy XIV are in charge of Final Fantasy XVI, and that has me probably more excited than I've about a Final Fantasy title than I have been in a really long time. Um, I think what the team that uh, created A Realm Reborn did with Final Fantasy XIV uh, just essentially resurrected that title and turned it into one of the premier uh, MMOs that we have in existence right now. Um, so really excited for Final Fantasy XVI. Um, there's not really a whole lot more I want to say about that. I watched that trailer probably 17 times. <laughs> I get excited about it every time. I think the, the direction they're going with that looks really interesting. Uh, going back to a more uh, medieval looking time period, I think is great. Um, lots of sort of Games of Thronesy uh, politics that look like are, are going on as well. And I'm totally into that. Uh, so, um, really excited about that. I don't know if any of you guys have any passionate feelings about Final Fantasy or 16 specifically, but I had to bring that up because, uh, that one hit me really hard during that event. I think 16 or any game like that. I mean, you can go into like the the next God of War or even 
like the story missions on Halo with the cinematics are going to look absolutely amazing with the technology that these the, these new consoles are pushing out. So a, a, anything that's story driven like that, I think you're going to get a really, really good feel if they do, like we were saying before, the console, the, the new gen console only driven games. I know that leaves some stuff behind, but yeah, if you look at you look at Cyberpunk, I mean, we'll talk about that shortly, but um it's it's being dragged back in certain aspects and you know that that has its own problems so i I, i'm very hopeful um but like i said Mm -hmm. i still think there needs to be a lot of beta testers a lot of alpha testers a lot of people that need to get involved that aren't don't sit under under square enix and report to someone that pays their paychecks type thing need to have an honest opinion about these games Mm -hmm. before they see the light of day um and it's just that's that's what if anything that's what 2020 has taught us about new games coming out (laughs) Yeah, and I feel yeah, like people yeah, it's like are so used to transition between 360 and Xbox One to PS3 and PS4. It's completely different with these consoles. The difference between the Xbox Series X and the base Xbox One, of which I'm on. Uh, so I mean, I don't know. There's something I just feel like you know that's something that they that they should just not do base Xbox One to base PS4. Just PS5, Xbox Series X release. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, despite the fact that the trailer showed a lot more than I was expecting, I was expecting mostly like just a title screen essentially with, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like a quick flash of like a summon or something like that. But they showed a, like that was a really long trailer. It showed a lot of gameplay, it showed some pretty important story beats, I think. And so I think that game is a lot further along than I had anticipated it is. Uh, but still, I think it's at least two years away. I don't think we're seeing that anywhere in 2021. I'd be surprised if it's closer, uh, if we see it, uh, you know, this time 2022. Um, but, you know, I think I, I would I would be stunned if that releases on an Xbox One or a PS4. I hope it doesn't. Yeah. I want it completely, you know, yeah. I want it completely developed for uh, the next gen systems and PC uh, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so, like, you've mentioned Cyberpunk a couple times, so I know you want to talk about it. Let's do that right now. What do you have to say about everything that's gone on with Cyberpunk? Uh, in the, I mean, honestly, all year long, but um, I guess you can start where you'd like with that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the thing is, is like, Cyberpunk is going to be a fantastic game. And people are going to have bad experiences with it and people are going to buy it just because of the hype. This game is 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 what it was supposed to be. Graphically or whatever else it's having issues and I understand that. Um but like the delays and you could see they were they having issues for like the first delay we I was so looking for this game in March. I paid full price for the collector's edition right here like that like uh, on the floor of E3 after Keanu Reeves came out and he was like 10 feet in front of me because I was <laughs> mm-hmm. in front row in FanFest and stuff like that, you know, it was such a an epic moment and they, they just rolled all that energy through and the first delay was heartbreaking. The second delay was confusing yeah. because you generally um, in game development, when you set a, a, a six months out, it's because you only need three type thing. And then when they had to delay it again, we were like, okay, well, this will be the last one because they just couldn't get it done. And then they delayed it again. I'm like, this isn't good. This is they're trying to get it out before the end of the year. Like, I was like, okay, so, you know, what's the deal is? And I, as far as the review copies, 
I couldn't get a hold of one. I know a couple people did. I, the people I were talking to, it was only going to a select few people. It wasn't widespread. Mm -hmm. They were saying the version was pretty old, and when it came out, it wasn't that old. So, um, the delivery, the all of that stuff, that is one thing. But I think to take a look at what this game is is bringing to the genre, it was it's it's such a a different aspect to an open world game than what a lot of people are used to. People go through and they say they beat it in twenty hours. I don't think I've gotten past on PC maybe the first couple of intro missions because I'm just walking around talking to everyone, trying to figure out things. I think I have like 32 side missions or something right now, and I've completed like maybe four or yeah, five geez. main missions. Like, it's ridiculous. You could literally just get lost in this entire world that they detailed out every little aspect of it. And I think that games like people rush to, oh, it was, it was okay. And I'm like, maybe you should just play battle royales type thing. And I know it's kind of like, it's a tough, it's a tough yeah. sentiment. But like oh, this, okay. this, this might not be for you. You know, this isn't like, I'm going to do the same thing over and over again. This is like, I plan on doing three playthroughs for each one of the, you know, the, the main character arcs for it like that. And then completely like embracing whatever that they're good at. And then just kind of fully go that way. It, the people that are playing like that are having an amazing time they're, they're neglecting all of their other lifely duties because the game is phenomenal. Um, glitches, okay. game-breaking things, it's happening on console because they're trying to bridge the two. I'm playing on a 1080 Ti on my PC. I still have my Xbox thing that I'm going to play on Xbox because I want to do that properly, but my collector's edition was delayed and I couldn't wait for the <clears> game, <throat> so I bought it on PC as well, so there's that. <laughs> Um, yeah yeah so that's that's my yeah. cyberpunk spiel in in its entirety yeah no th i think that's good and you know i pre-ordered it on ps4 i had no intention of playing it on ps4 even before all the stuff came out about all the game breaking stuff that was happening um i was one of the lucky few that managed to get a ps5 so i'm honestly just waiting until they roll out the next gen version of that because they have the free upgrade i wanted they were um they had it for like 10 bucks cheaper than whatever. Anyway, um, so I bought it, going to play it on the PS5. And um, I think to your point, though, about the way people play those type of games is really important because, you know, there's been so much focus this year, especially, and I think we're going to talk about it in just a little bit, about those Battle Royale style games. And this is not that, um, you know, by any yeah, stretch of the imagination. And... And if people, uh, you know, if a large majority of people who have uh, joined the gaming community this past year um, are, you know, that's their type of game, totally fine. But if that's your type of game, cyberpunk is not your type of game. And for the, crit like that kind of criticism, I find like a little bit more difficult to swallow. Um, you know, if you're gonna criticize, you know, them rushing the game out when it wasn't ready, uh, you know, criticize the fact that it shouldn't have been released on the base ps4 and xbox systems in the first place i think all that's totally valid and i get the criticism and i think it's fair um but you know i, I would say try and limit the criticism to where it belongs and um i'm excited i you know 
I enjoyed The Witcher 3. I, it wasn't my game of the year by any stretch, but I know yeah. what you know this company can do with games like that. And The, Witch, and the Witcher 3 in its final version was incredible. Um, it still had its bugs, it still had its issues, but um, you know, I think Cyberpunk will be that. It's just <clears throat> unfortunate that you know all the goodwill that that company built up uh, with The Witcher 3 I feel like has kind of been lost at this point and will take a long time for them to recover from that. Um, so I look forward to playing um, to playing the PS5 version of it whenever that finally releases. And I think I'm going to have a great time with it. I think you will too. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I've had a decent amount of good times with it so far. But imagine if Cyberpunk launched like yeah, like this past April like they were planning to, right? On oh, Not on next-gen I- consoles. <laughs> Yeah, awful. I mean, just not. It, it would yeah, have been not, pos- not possible. Yeah. I, uh, I, it, it would not is, have cleared is, testing. No, yeah. it wouldn't. And this uh, is this is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this a little bit on the other side too. It's this is an annoying part as as someone that has a, a couple of thousand dollar PC sitting here, but then I love the ecosystem. Um, games really need to stop testing their games like devs need to stop testing their games on pcs and then saying that runs fine and then just shipping it on xbox without fully fledging it out on the consoles because it's it's getting so night and day because i can play the same xbox you know game pass you know is phenomenal service but like i can take a game and play on pc right and then i can play on I have like I have a one X, I have an S, I have an X, and I have the Series X, and it plays different on every single last one of them. And that's and I know it's supposed to be that way, but there should be like a baseline, you know, and I think that's what they're trying to get to now. But like the the game shouldn't be broken at all. It should play the same way it does on the series. What's it called? But I think that goes to twenty twenty. You know that that it should play the same way on the PS5, and they just couldn't get to it. So I think that that's that's a whole community, um, that's a whole community kind of aspect to them. Like not having Series X is probably sitting at their um, office, you know, being able to test it on. But then if they don't, then why would you release the Xbox One version of it? So I don't know. Like it's like, I have to digress because it's kind of a circular conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's all right. And, you know, I, I think there's still a lot to be seen with Cyberpunk. You know, this uh, the game released within the last month. Uh, yeah, within the last month, basically. And, you know, a lot to be seen still. So I think, you know, we can table a lot of that discussion for uh, down the road. It'll be interesting to come back in a few months to see where we're at with that conversation. Um, Ty. Yeah, I think you're on your last one. What, oh, what, yeah. do, you, what do you have? Uh, my last, last one, one, my last impactful <laughs> moment of uh, 2020 that I could think of would have to be a Nintendo adding unthinkable Smash Fighters. Now, when I'm saying this, now Byleth was added this year, which I can't believe. I mean, this year's been so long. Byleth was added, a Fire Emblem <laughs> character. Yeah, I mean, I could care less. I could care less. Uh, Min Min was added Another from Fire Arms. Emblem I guess you character. Could, yeah, a Fire Emblem <laughs> character. But um, you get an ARMS character, you get Min Min. I mean, that's kind of expected in a way, you know, first party, a Nintendo, uh, Nintendo, uh, t- Nintendo title. Um, eventually, that's going to get in there. But Steve, uh, Steve from Minecraft and Sephiroth from uh, Final Crazy. Fantasy. That, I mean, 
these two guys that, that was been, wild man I, these two guys wild. haven't these two guys haven't on list like oh this will never happen or especially sephiroth um like list like this will never that they'll never come into smash i remember when cloud got into smash that was like you just pulled off the impossible then again another yeah, then again sephiroth deal. Huge deal. and it's like wow right? it's like whoa <laughs> and then uh with steve you know microsoft it's a now microsoft um character you know, you've already had a banjo in there. You're gonna add Steve, so wow, you got another Microsoft one. So that's uh, I would list that onto there because uh, I don't know, it just stood out. It just stood out, and uh, I'm just waiting for Master Chief and uh, Doom guy to be added to Smash, and uh, I'll be set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they yeah, they no, made I, it. I they made you. it into Fortnite, so you know, anything's possible these days, right? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for sure. I tell you, that Sephiroth trailer was awesome when he spears mario i was like okay this is like one of the coolest things i've ever seen and then you know you see he like caught his uh caught his uh overall thing there but uh Mm -hmm. oh my gosh like that was such a cool trailer and yeah steve from minecraft just like another off the wall character for nintendo to use i mean they've got they've got a few off the wall characters in smash already but yeah that one uh just I feel like it kind of came out of left field. I'm not big on the Smash community, so I don't know if people were expecting yeah. it or, you know, the case was. The, but they, they I weren't. made the comment. No, no. Yeah, I was okay. I, I made the comment to a friend of mine after seeing that uh, Sephiroth trailer. I was like, oh my gosh, this is Smash is like what PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale should have been when yeah. they released that a long time ago. I mean, you can play as Solid Snake, you can play as Cloud, you can play as Sephiroth. Uh, there's all kinds of PlayStation franchise characters on there. They've even got Sonic the Hedgehog on there, which is just kind of wacky. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was definitely uh, a surprise for me this year from Smash, which was yeah, great. I, I thought it was wonderful. It was phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I'm going to group a few of these uh, things together for time's sake. Um, Sounds good. There were there were some awesome remake remakes released this year. Final Fantasy VII remake, the Demon Souls remake, which I said I've got a PS5, so I was able to play the Demon Souls remake. Uh, those were both incredible experiences for me. Uh, some people have something to say about where they're going with Final Fantasy VII Remake's story. I love it. Like I said, I love it when my expectations are subverted. So they're doing some different things uh, with that that I think are fine. I'm not going. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to go into spoilers or anything. But um, the way that game felt, the way it played, was so great. The music was amazing. And then speaking of Demon Souls. I, I remember loving Demon's Souls when I played it on the PS3 all those years ago. Um, to see just, I mean, it's night and day, as you can imagine, the difference between playing that on a PS3 and a PS5. But going back to those worlds, I love the Souls games. I've played all of them. I, you know, I've put hundreds of hours into that whole series of games. And to see one not only releasing, launching with the PS5, but playing so well and, you know, I think is a real, um, uh, real standout when it, when PS5 or when PlayStation talks about low times games and, you know, just dynamic environments and, you know, the different kind of lighting that you're able to have. Uh, just really a showcase, I think, for the PlayStation 5 that, you know, I think, unfortunately, Microsoft lacked with their launch, with their 
system in terms of a first party title. Um, I, I don't think that's going to hurt them at all in the long run. I think it's fine. I don't think they needed it. But in terms of uh, PlayStation, to have something like that to launch your system with uh, was just incredible for me. And I loved both of those experiences um, this year. Very, impa very impactful for me. I don't, I, I know, I don't, I know you guys aren't as entrenched in the PlayStation ecosystem as I am. No. Uh, but do you have any, maybe just thoughts about those two releases, those two games, and maybe what they meant uh, as a whole for the gaming community? So. Final Fantasy VII was one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I mean, it's, it was such just a fantastic game when it was originally released like that. I have some weird issue with remakes, and it's nothing against <laughs> the games, or it's just that I... Because for me, it's like, you're going to spend all that development time to bring back a story that was really good, and I don't know if you're going to change it. And it messes with, as a as a 40-year-old gamer it messes with my nostalgia of it you know so it's like <laughs> when sure. it, it, that so it's it's something like that the demon souls i didn't mind too much because i've never been a dark souls person i thought that was cool that they were updating the graphics and i have played it and you know and it wasn't anything that I had to guess the game but i was like okay so when people were talking about those as launch titles i was like ah okay remakes as launch titles i got it but it was like it wasn't anything that made it like oh my god that's amazing you know i have to get a ps5 now mm -hmm. like it just was like right. oh that's cool and then kind of like it's a remake and i'm focused on cyberpunk and which is a broken game and everything else and so it's like <laughs> no nobody's right or nobody's wrong it's just funny how like you know what what's working right now what's not working in the gaming industry um mm -hmm. and right now those those two remakes are probably some of the best games that are, are that are released for the next gen consoles, you know? Um, right. Well. Right. And one other I want to throw in there, not a remake, but it's an update of a game that had re released previously, uh, was Persona 5 Royal. Ty knows this. I've talked to him so much about Persona 5. I, I had never played a Persona game before I got into Persona 5, which is crazy because I'm huge into JRPGs. I love them, generally speaking. Uh, but... I platinumed Persona 5. I put over 100 hours into that game, and I did the exact same thing with Persona 5 Royal. Um, it released near the beginning of the pandemic, which helped the cause to put so much time into that game. Uh, but, you know, I think this is one of those things where you talk, I mean, I think Capcom does this a lot where they release game like updates of games um, with, you know, when I think about like something like Street Fighter, you know, oh, you've got a few new characters that you had released and now it's all in one package, whatever. Um, you know, they just released a uh, an updated version of Devil May Cry 5. Now, they did put a fair amount of content into that as well. Mm -hmm. So I think they got a little bit better with that. But with Persona 5 Royal, what was interesting is not only did they add an extra probably 20 hours to the end of that game, that didn't exist before, but the ending of that game was largely based off of two, the experiences that two new characters uh, that were brought into the beginning of that game that went throughout the whole stretch of that story. Uh, they were involved in that story. Um, and so it was really probably more like 30 plus hours of content that was added into this uh, refreshed version of Persona 5. And the story was already one that I found extremely fascinating, uh, really easy to get into and to 
sort of root for the characters that you were uh, operating as. And the fact that they were able to seamlessly integrate these two new characters into the main storyline and then give them such a big payoff in terms of, you know, 20 plus hours of content at the end of that game. I mean, it was... I've never seen anything like it before, honestly, to be able to pull that off in such a seamless way. Um, I mean, we're talking about hours of dialogue with these two characters, uh, branching dialogue paths and choices and how you interact with them throughout uh, what originally is a 80 plus hour game to play through. Um, you know, Atlas Atlas really hit out of the park. And, you know, they've done this before with other Persona games of theirs. Uh, Persona 4 Golden comes to mind. Uh, but uh, Persona 5 Royal really was just so great for me to go back to in a time where there was a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of, you know, what's going on in the world, what's going on with jobs, what's going on with the economy, and being able to sort of slip back into that world of Persona 5 that was uh, familiar to me, and yet there were all these other different things that were happening. It was just really great and so super impactful for me. Uh, this year again uh, was, go ahead. was that an add-on was that an add-on to the was it like a like a dlc to the game or was it like a whole new game How no so it, it was, it was a whole new game uh yeah it was a whole new game uh, it there wasn't like an optional dlc package that you could download and like add on um I think it sort of had to be a whole new game simply because of you know how much dialogue they had to record and integrate into the game, um, how much I mean just how much extra content they packed in that game. Um, you know I, I'm not very I'm not very wise as to how you know adding in story DLC works to other games, but um, you know I, I think yeah I I had I had no problem paying for a full release again for the game. I mean, it was one that I enjoyed. It was one that I was happy to go back to. Uh, but but yeah, no, the, the, I, I don't believe there was like a DLC patch essentially that you could uh, put, yeah. no, I just, put onto yeah, your- Yeah, uh, I was just trying to figure it out because I was like, I was listening to you. I was like, it sounds like a completely different game. And then I'm really like, well, maybe it is. And I'm like, I, I just honestly, I didn't it was that and, game very much, so. Yeah, honestly, it was. And it wasn't just about the story. It wasn't just about these characters. They changed up uh, some of the systems that were in play uh, for the gameplay mechanics um, and how just, yeah, just a lot of gameplay mechanics changed for the better. It was uh, There were a lot of quality of life changes that were made, I think, that were great improvements to the original. So, Sounds cool. I mean, yeah, I was, you know, if <laughs> I don't know if anyone out there is big JRPG fans, uh, Persona fans, um, if you want to give it a try definitely go for that you don't you know don't bother going back to persona 5 and doing that um go persona 5 royal um it's at least 100 hours of solid story story based gameplay um where you know characters are a huge part of the experience and you know you determine sort of how the story plays out so um again a really really great time sinker a uh, stuck at home, not able to go out of your house (laughs) situation. (laughs) I think this is actually something we brought up a little bit before, mentioning the battle royales. Um, Not in a sense that you would generally think, like uh, a lot comes from, like you think of Warzone and Call of Duty, you think of PUBG. Uh, We had Fall Guys and Among Us sort of come to the forefront uh, this year. Among Us, not so much a battle royale exactly, but more that social gameplay. Uh, Silic, I, I think there was some stuff you want to talk about in terms of that. Yes. 
So this was another game, another game that was introduced by uh, Devolver Digital at E3 in 2019. And they have probably like the most fantastic setup at E3 because they don't sit up at the convention. They set up across the street. And if you ever get a media pass to schedule anything you can with them, because they have a beer garden. Um, there's usually like a little robot or a cart driving around handing out beers. It's fantastic. But they have like the ball pits and everything set up in all these little trailer parks and all these foam chairs and everything set up when they were demoing the game. And I'm like, this is insanely beautiful, hysterical, hmm. under player obstacle course game. This is going to be phenomenal. And I told everyone about it and it was amazing when it first came out. And then the game's downfall, in my opinion, it's still going pretty good, are the lack of anti-cheats. Right? So you have this amazing game, and then all of a sudden you see someone just fly by you and they win. And you're like, why am I even playing? Yeah. You know, right. and, and it's a game that had literally, I mean, the whole the Tim the Tatman couldn't get a single win, and that whole craze was going <laughs> around it. And the game was just fun, but like when crowns were everything and you had people just botting and cheating and stuff like that that you couldn't knock off or anything else, the game me and like 90 percent of my friends became pointless because you never knew if you were going to get into a bot lobby and stuff like that and we stopped a lot of people stopped playing it i mean hmm. and that's kind of like where i wanted to go versus like a, a game that got oh my i believe not completely but like took a large hit due to cheaters and then a game like among us hmm. which is absolutely so simplistic <laughs> that it's actually hysterical yeah. how popular it became to where that like you know you had aoc and among us and stuff like that and i just I was trying to do is with these two games is that nobody had these games on the radar like i mean i did but i'm like mm. kind of like, a, like not really a nobody yeah. but like i'm not like a tim the tap man i'm not like these major guys <laughs> and they started seeing other people play it and stuff like that and then all of a sudden <clears> it just shoots off to the top of the charts you know to where they can't even handle the servers the servers are bogged down and everything else and then the cheaters kill off all that hype. Like if they would have had a good anti-cheat system, Among Us may have never gotten any light nope. because these guys would never stop playing. So it's yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny that like an Among Us had to go and basically buy a server warehouse to hold all the people that are playing their games. <laughs> now know? if if um, COVID never happened, would these games even be as popular as they are? I don't think so. You don't think so, right? That's what I was thinking. You don't have to be like super big brain uh, to play a game like Among Us. Um, and it's, it's just fun. And like you said, it's so simple that, you know, it's very easy entrance into learning that game and playing that game and understanding sort of, you know, how it works and everything, uh, which is why it's great to play with like kids and family and nephews and stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the funniest two things about those games real quick, I, before we go on to something else like that, is that they both entrenched in almost every aspect of, of everyone's life. I'm not talking about just gamers, but everyone's life, like the Among Us thing. My kids do like workout stuff like that. They're virtual. They're in homeschool. They're, they're virtual school right now. Their workout things mm -hmm. are all like Among Us things. Like it's like Among Us characters. <laughs> it's like they're like go up and do ten jumping jacks. If you choose to, you know, to to kill the lights in this area or to to go and change the reactor here. Like that's their choices. Which would you do? And it, like you do ten jumping jacks or sit ups. And I'm like, why do they have Among Us in? 
kid stuff and it's like but it's just how far those things got you know it's it's absolutely amazing that how many people were actually home during this pandemic <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely all right last one i want to mention really quickly um we don't we don't have to dwell on it too long but um there's a game that came out this year called genshin impact and it was probably the biggest thing in the world for like a month I feel like it was like that way mm -hmm. with a lot of games this year where it was like the biggest thing in the world and then, you know, kind of dropped off and no one's really talked about it for a while. But that like three to four weeks where Genshin Impact released um, was crazy. Everyone I knew was playing Genshin Impact. I think what was really great about it is you could play it on... Uh, your PC, you could play it on your tablet, you could play it on your phone. Um, the accessibility to playing it I, was, I think was a big part of why it was so great. Um, not to mention the fact that it had, you know, heavy Breath of the Wild influences and people love Breath of the Wild, not me exactly, but that's a story for another podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but just the amount of people that were into that and um, then sort of the turn it took uh, one, when people hit sort of the story wall, um, I got to that point where I hit the story wall and then it just kind of like died. I, I felt like there wasn't um, that uh, real healthy flow of content to keep it going. I know they've done some stuff with it since then, but you know, I've sort of fallen out of it. But um, there was that. And then the whole sort of loot box gotcha system that was involved with that game. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't, I didn't think it was as bad as um, a number of other games that I've played, especially for a free-to-play game, which is totally based off of sort of that gotcha system. Microtransmission. Um, I yep. felt that the game... Yeah, I felt that game was still very, very playable uh, without rolling at all. Um, so, I, I mean, I thought that game had that going for it, but... Uh, I'd be curious if either of you got into Genshin Impact at all and sort of your thoughts on how it seemed to fall off the map no i've only followed it very briefly i haven't really i never touched it at all it never looked interesting to me personally but yeah, I, I didn't either me. i heard people complaining about like the the resource like some sort of like resource cap mm -hmm. that they were having issues with like they could yep. they had so much access to the game but then they could only do so many things a day so what was the point of having all this access if they couldn't actually play the game the way they wanted to so it's um, right. I, that's that's the only major thing that I heard was so I was like oh, okay well that will be me so there's no reason for me to play like, yeah. <laughs> that one thing heard I, I kind of like turned me off and stuff like that so yeah no I mean totally understandable and for me I mean that's why I fell off I it got to the point where I could just on my phone sort of log in and do the sort of like daily quest kind of stuff mm. the, that you do with games and it would take me like 15-20 minutes and I'm like okay like I did that but there's really no more to do you know so I would log off and kind of forget about it and that's sort of how it died out for me um, and honestly like even though I put a lot of time into it initially I don't see myself going back, which is, you know, I, maybe if they come out with like another huge update or something like that, I might, but uh, that one month of time, Genshin Impact, like had like a really crazy impact on, on yeah. 2020 as a whole, I think. Um, I think, I think right. that's right up there with Hades too, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. I heard like Hades oh, wow. got huge. 
around the same yeah, time no. Genshin. Because I was, I was hearing people either playing Genshin Impact at that time or Hades. That was like mm -hmm. the two yeah. games for like that three or four weeks. It was like that's the only two games anyone was playing. Yeah, well, Hades is in my top three games of the year. So I will vouch for Hades and let people know that yeah, it is amazing. It's, uh, it, it's from Supergiant, and I love everything that those guys do. Um, <laughs> I loved Bastion. I, I loved uh, Transistor. Um, they they really can do no wrong in my eyes. So they you know had they had me before they even released that game. But uh, we'll we'll save Hades for another conversation. If we Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could go I could go on with uh, Hades for a long time, but um, that we're sort of getting to the end of uh, the end of our conversation here. Uh, does anyone have else have any uh, impactful moments that they want to bring up from twenty twenty? Uh, I, I I have one that didn't happen. I, I was I was really hoping to see Dying Light two this year. Oh yeah. Um, okay. And it, it just it, it, it they moved the date and then they're just kind of sitting on it right now with a date and it should be 2021 but we don't. I've got my friend here. Oh, okay. Still waiting from, nice. from E3. <laughs> from E3 2019, he's still ready to go and and do all the amazing things that I did in E3 2019. Yeah, I would say like. Um, a game that would have been on my list definitely would have been Roller Champions, but that's not coming out until the early part of 2021. <laughs> uh, it's a game I've been looking forward to for a couple years now. Well, over a year now. Over a year now. It's a really yeah. fun game. Yeah, if anyone pays it, if anyone pays attention to Ty's social feed, you'll know how much of a champion he is for that game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if he's, the Roller Champions he's trying to find us an esports he's, team he's legit. For it, so yeah. Like, yeah, he's legit excited about it. Yeah, for real. It's gonna be the next Rocket That's League, right, Ty? Those are all facts, yeah. Right? No, hundred yep. percent. It's probably it's probably gonna be. <laughs> yep. Yeah, next next Rocket League. All they have to do is release it for free on PS Plus, and it'll take off from there. Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that about does it for our conversation today. Ty Silik, thank you for joining us. I know we had some technical difficulties, but uh, glad we were able to finally iron them out. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Yeah, and and, I mean, and Staggerilla Bio Mutant it is on the list, but we don't know when it's coming either. So, and I don't have that statue. <laughs> yeah, that's in, that's in the Beyond Good and Evil Two camp. So we'll just right? not talk about that for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've canceled my pre-order on Bio Mutant like twice now and redone it because I think it's they keep on coming oh out with better God. editions. Of like I think there's like yeah. six like collector's editions out for that game or something ridiculous like that. It's, it's going to be amazing in like when I'm like 50 years old. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to it on the PS6 and the uh, Xbox Two Series Z or whatever they decide to name uh, that next console. But uh, again, thank you guys for joining us. Um, I'm excited for what 2021 has ahead for us. I'm excited to leave parts of 2020 in the past. Um, there were some pretty awesome things that happened this past year, but uh, definitely excited to see what's going to happen in the future. Uh, Ty, you're the, you're the leader of this group. Is there anything you want to uh, leave us with? Uh, nothing much. Anything? Happy New Year! Anything rectifies uh, anything that anything oh. that rectifies doing in 2021. Oh, oh. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of Rahala things going on. We Rahala. have a new, we have a couple signing announcements to make in the new year. Uh, 
it's definitely going to be after this recording, obviously. But uh, <laughs> yep. uh, some some exciting stuff going on, some uh, changes going on as far as players, things like that. But I think I think it might surprise some people of who we have signed on. Of course, a little capped, you know. But this might be another surprise in there. That's all I got. That's all I got right now. No, that's good. Keep the tease. We like the tease. Keep it just like that. That was perfect. Thank you. Uh, Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Rectify Roundtable. Uh, Be sure to keep an eye on the Rectify Gaming social channels for announcements of upcoming shows, as well as news and updates on our various esports teams and content creators. Ty, you just teased all of that. So, guys, it's going to be coming. Keep an eye on that. But until next time, I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and we will see you in 2021. Thanks for watching.